Thank you, Sam, for reading the Bible for us. Hi, everyone. My name is Jason. I'm one of the ministry apprentices here at Grace Point. And what a privilege it is for me to bring to you God's Word today. Now, before we begin, let me pray for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come now to hear from your Word. Open our eyes that we may see the riches of your Word. And open our eyes also to the fears that grip us and control us. But most importantly, open our eyes to see Jesus, who he is, his power, and his willingness to heal. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me ask you this question. What are you most fearful of? What are you most fearful of? Now, you might say you are scared of spiders, or scared of heights, or scared of the dark. But have you ever thought more deeply about this, your greatest fears in life? Would it be death? Would it be losing your loved ones? Would it be the fear of an uncertain future or losing your livelihood and your security in life? Would it be a crippling fear of guilt and shame and a disconnect between your public and your private persona? or a fear of people knowing who you really are. The list goes on and on and on, and there are so many things that we can be fearful of, so many fears that control us and grip our hearts. Now, you might be feeling a little uneasy on your seats. You probably don't want to answer the question, or you might not even know what your greatest fears are. And even if you knew, you probably don't want anyone to know either, or you don't want to think about it. Have you ever wondered why, why you fear these things? Have you ever wondered whether your fears control the way that you live? And I wonder whether the reason why we make a retreat of ourselves and start to live in isolation and secrecy, or tell lies to people, or put up a front, is because we are living in fear. And if that's you, I hope you realize that you are not alone. That if you look to your left and to your right, you will see so many of us who are afraid. And even if you look right up the front, if you look at me, you will see someone who is fearful of many things as well. So let me assure you that as we look at Mark chapter 5 today, I am just as in need of God's word as you are. And I am just as in need of our Savior Jesus, who frees us from our fears. I am just as in need of the Holy Spirit to give us faith, to live by faith and not in fear each day. As we hear from Mark 5 today, we'll see a bunch of people who are also gripped by fear, just like you and me. They're a bunch of outcasts. No one in society would dare approach them. And yet we see our Savior Jesus approaching the unapproachable, freeing them from their fears, giving them the touch of life and giving life to the lifeless. And this same Jesus is willing and ready to transform our lives. Jesus is willing to approach us in our shame. Jesus is powerful to free us from our fears and we can live a new life in him. Church, as we look at Mark chapter 5, today's sermon will have three points, and you can see that on your outlines. Reacting in fear, reasons for faith, 
and responding in faith. Reacting in fear, reasons for faith, and responding in faith. And church, I really believe there is no other cure to the crippling fears that grip our lives apart from Jesus Christ, our Savior. So as we hear from God's word today, I hope and pray that the Holy Spirit will convict you of this truth, that there is no fear too great that Jesus will not touch. And just a heads up on how we're going to navigate through Mark chapter 5 today. Mark 5 has three stories of the miracles of Jesus. Jesus restoring the demoniac, Jesus healing the bleeding woman, and Jesus raising Jairus' daughter back to life. We just heard the Bible reading. And now we're not going to go through these stories in chronological order, but instead we'll look at how each individual character in the story respond to Jesus and seek after him. And this will help us understand their fear and also their faith. So let's dig into it, shall we? We're now at point one, reacting in fear. Let's start with a bit of context. Uh, Last week we looked at Mark chapter 4, but we didn't go through this. Because right at the very end of the chapter, Jesus is calming the storm. And as his disciples wake him up in desperation, Jesus asks them in verse 40, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And it's so striking that right after this, Mark records three stories in Mark 5 to teach us something about fear and faith. We'll look at fear firstly in our first point. And we'll look at three instances of fear. They are in your outlines. The first fear we see is in the townspeople. Their fear is a combination of two things, a fear of the divine and the fear of losing their livelihoods. Look at me in Mark 5, verse 15. Verse 15. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. Now, for those of us who have been at church for many years, you might have heard the stories a lot of times. And you might be shaking your head at these people. Wow, they have so little faith. And you think that these townspeople have missed the point. That when they hear everything, they don't see Jesus. They don't see the man in his right mind. They only see their pigs. And it's just like when you go to a concert and as you are leaving, you realize you left your water bottle behind. And you go back inside the hall, you try to look for it, but you can't find it. And as you search through the lower levels nearer to the stage, uh, you finally see your bottle. And actually... A man with orange hair was holding it and you go up to him and you thank him and you take your bottle and you turn around and leave. All this time you didn't realize the man with the orange hair is the singer you have come to see, Ed Sheeran. You were so fixated on your bottle that you have missed the point. And as you see the story, you think the townspeople are not so different They don't want to know this powerful and merciful Jesus, but they only want their pigs. But don't you think, aren't we sitting on our high horses a little bit? And if you were one of the townspeople, 
would you have reacted the very same way? We don't have to imagine, right? Rookwood Cemetery is right outside our church. If the demoniac was shouting from Rookwood right now, being a big distraction and we can hear him from outside, you'll be scared too. And 2,000 pigs is not a small number either. That's like all-you-can-eat pork belly in Korean barbecue for like five years straight, every night. That's not cheap, yo. <laughs> they had good reason to be afraid of such a powerful man, and they had good reason to fear for their livelihoods. And the reality is, we would all respond in the same way. Or secondly, think about the bleeding woman. She has a fear of being found out, the fear of public shame. And the bleeding woman just touched Jesus' cloak and instantly she was healed. But that's not the end of the story, right? Jesus realized someone did this and he wouldn't stop until he finds out who it is. Come with me to verse 33. Verse 33. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. We're not sure how to evaluate this woman, right? It seems like she has such great faith. Taking a bold leap of faith, going to touch Jesus' cloak like that. But now it seems like she has no faith. She's trembling with fear, shivering in fear. Why is she flipping back and forth? But if you were her, I think you would be just as afraid. Think about it. If you had a deep, dark secret, and everyone knows about it, and everywhere you go, you are shunned, you are looked down upon, you are rejected. And if you tried everything to get rid of it for 12 years, but nothing has worked, think of the total accumulation of all your rejection, all your shame, all your humiliation, and now this Jesus wants you to experience all that all over again? Wouldn't you be afraid too? We hate to be found out. We hate to be publicly shamed. And we would try everything possible to cover up what we have done. We would never let the truth out. We have the benefit of knowing the end of the story, but the woman didn't. At that point in time, she didn't know what Jesus would say to her. And so it makes total sense that she is shivering with fear. And the reality is, we would all respond in the same way. Or thirdly, think about Jairus. He loved his little daughter. And he was so afraid that she would die. He loved her so much that he would even fall at Jesus' feet to beg him. He was a synagogue leader. He had the status, the power, the prestige. It's like if Bill Gates came and fell at your feet. Joe Biden came and fell at your feet. All the money, all the power in the world, and yet in the face of death, the fear of losing a loved one, all the money and power are but grains of sand in the face of the Mount Everest of death. And so you can imagine how Jairus would react when some people came from his house and told him, your daughter is dead. There's a reason why Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. Why would Jesus say that to him unless he knows 
that he is afraid. Those of us who know the end of the story, we might look at Jairus and go, yeah, man, just believe. Jesus got your back. Your daughter will be all right. But Jairus didn't know that. His fears are legitimate. And what makes us say we won't react in the same way? If you are a parent, and we have many here in our morning congregations, you probably dread this with your whole life. Your child is dead. I can see that for so many of us. Our lives are quite comfortable. Our lives are set. We have a good family, a great job, a normal life. And probably we'll have a chill retirement. We really have nothing to fear in this life. But we are more like Jairus than we think, aren't we? The world says there's no problem money can't solve. But then again, it doesn't make us immune to death. At the face of death, all your money becomes monopoly money. All your credentials melt away like gold in the refining fire. And likewise, there's one thing that we have no control over, and that is death. Church, from all three of these stories, we can so clearly see that their fear is real. And we read these stories and we go, well, Jesus healed them all. But if we were them, we would be just as in fear. And fear grips us because we are afraid of losing. And we do everything in our powers to grab on and to keep what we have. But do we have to live in fear? At the start, I said I want you guys to remember the truth that there is no fear so great that Jesus will not touch. Don't we have reasons to live by faith? Yes, we absolutely do. And we will look at them right now. And I point to reasons for faith. Firstly, we will look at their expressions of faith. Back to the demoniac. And in contrast to the townspeople, we see that the restored man responds in great faith. Look back at verse 18 with me. Verse 18. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell the capitalists how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Wow, talk about thankfulness. This man met Jesus and now he wants to follow him with his whole life. And he didn't see Jesus as someone to be feared, but he saw Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Look again at verse 19 and 20. Jesus says, tell them how much the Lord has done for you. Verse 20, so the man went away and began to tell all the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. You see these two verses, Jesus is now his Lord. Well, the bleeding woman, come down with me to verse 34. In point one, we saw the woman trembling with fear before Jesus. But instead, we hear this most remarkable statement. Verse 34, Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. 
Wait, what, Jesus? You're not going to blame me for stealing your powers? Oh, yes, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, how compassionate is our Lord towards the sick and the weak. And how powerful is our Lord that even touching his cloak can heal a disease that no one else can heal. And look at Jairus. Come down to verse 36. Verse 36, overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. And notice it says, Jesus told him. Jesus is addressing one person only, and that is Jairus. And this is a call for incredible faith. The news of death has already come upon him, and he's still meant to believe. Yes, Jairus has just seen with his own eyes the bleeding woman was healed completely. And now he is asked to trust in the power of God to bring the dead back to life. And notice in all three of these stories, you might be curious, is it the strength of their faith that saved them? Is it because they had faith? That's why Jesus saved them? And sometimes it might feel bad that compared to all these people in the Bible, we seem to have so little faith. And we might come away from the passage feeling like the application is always, we've got to have more faith. We've got to have more faith. Sometimes that's true. God does call us to have faith. Sometimes it's not about the quantity of our faith, but the quality of our faith. And it's not about how much faith we have, but who we have faith in. Think about these three people again. What is common among all of them? They are all unclean. The demoniac is filled with evil spirits. He was living in the tombs. So he was an unclean man living in an unclean place. The bleeding woman, she is ceremonially unclean. And according to the law, she should have been treated like she had COVID. She should have been quarantined. She's not meant to be out and about. And it's no wonder that she is so afraid of being found out. Or the girl, the girl is already dead. And dead bodies are unclean. Jesus is not meant to approach her. And all three of these characters should have been isolated because they are unclean and impure. But Jesus is not afraid of them. And not only that, Jesus also touches all of them. Jesus sends the evil spirits into unclean animals, the pigs, so that the unclean man can be clean again. And Jesus lets the bleeding woman touch his clothes and she is made clean again. And notice those details once again. Why? Why is he so persistent to find out who this woman is? Surely, as the Son of God, he knows her name. He knows her pain and he knows her shame. But the reason why Jesus had to find out who this woman is and for her to confess publicly that it was her who touched Jesus' cloaks is so that because she can be publicly restored. It's so that she can be publicly restored. Think about it. She has been bleeding for 12 whole years. Everyone knows it. And no one would come near her. No one would associate with her. Jesus made her confess publicly and declared, 
daughter, your faith has healed you. So that he can bring the outsider back to the inside. To bring a social outcast back to acceptance and community. That's the reason why. And lastly, Jesus touches Jairus' daughter so that the dead can be raised to life again. And notice, Jesus has just let the bleeding woman touch him. And according to the law, Jesus would have been unclean. But not only did he keep going, but he also raised her back to life. Jesus touched all three of these who were unclean, but they didn't make Jesus unclean. Instead, Jesus makes the unclean clean. Let me say that again. Jesus touching the unclean did not make Jesus unclean, but instead, Jesus makes the unclean clean. Think about it, church. Isn't this what we all want as well? We want to be clean. We want to be freed from our fears. We talked about our fear of guilt and shame. We are so afraid that we don't let anyone get near us. We don't ever tell the whole truth. We put up a front before others. But that's who we once were, church. We were once gripped and crippled by fear. But now, because we know the grace of the gospel, because we were washed, we were sanctified, we were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus, we can now live in freedom. If you believe in Jesus today, or if you are already a believer of Jesus, Jesus says to you, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Sometimes we can be so plagued by our past that we forget we have been healed and cleansed and saved. Yes, we still have indwelling sin, but we must remember that our identity as saved in Christ, healed in Christ, restored in Christ. Mighty is our fears and our sins. Mighty is our guilt and shame. Mighty is the curse of death. But mightier still is our Lord Jesus, our Savior, our Redeemer, and our risen King. Church, there is no fear too great that Jesus will not touch. He is willing and He is able. Let's look at our final point to see how we can respond to Jesus. We're now at point three, responding in faith. And the first thing I want to mention is that so far we have looked at fear in a negative sense. But we also saw how we can be just like the characters in Mark 5. We share in their fears. And so we might ask, are all fears bad? Are all fears sinful? And I think the answer to that question is no. Not all sins are sin. Not all fears are sinful. Sorry. They can be good and healthy fears. And I can give you guys an example. Earlier this year, I went to the Blue Mountains with the boys in my CG. We went to Lincoln's Rock. And if you haven't been there before, just imagine the Grand Canyon, if you know that. But the mountains are not red, but 
bit more green. And we were in the Blue Mountains. Some of the boys were stepping closer and closer towards the edge. But for me, you got to know this about me. I'm scared of heights. And so there was no way that I'm going near that cliff edge. I'd rather eat chili than do that, man. <laughs> you see, a good fear of heights can prevent you from falling off that dangerous cliff. And a good fear of accidents can make you put on a helmet. A good fear of drowning can make you not swim too far off the beach. And so not all fears are bad. But there are also sinful, crippling fears. And these are the fears that Jesus has come to address. Or some of us might think that we have nothing to fear. Everything in life is going well. We are cruising along. But let's talk about a good and healthy fear. And this is a fear that we all need. Fearing God. Fearing God. And I really want to address those of us in this room who are not yet Christians. You have just encountered this Jesus who performed not one but three miracles. Exorcism, healing, resurrection. And you might be so quick to dismiss Jesus. But my question to you is this. Who is this Jesus to you? If he really is who he says he is, the Son of God, truly God, truly man, then he demands a response. And you know those atheists who say, I hate Jesus with all my gut. That's actually the right response. That's more accurate. That's more honest. Because the reality is, you either love him with all your heart or you hate him with all your heart. There is no neutral response. There is no middle ground. Things like, I don't mind, or I like his teachings, is actually a product of our modern times. And it's so inconsistent with Jesus' claims here. If Jesus is who he says he is, if he really is the Son of God, who restored, who healed, who resurrected, then you need to rightly fear him. One day when he returns, every knee will bow before him. And they will either bow before him willingly in joyful worship, or their stubborn knees will be broken and their stubborn heads will be forced to bow before the King of Kings. And the good news is that even if you are sick or even if you are dead, spiritually dead, Jesus can still make you well. And the good news of Jesus is that even if you are unclean, even if you are sinful and ashamed, Jesus can still forgive your sins in full. And make you, the unclean, clean. If you are here today, sick or unclean or ashamed of your sins, come to Jesus. There is no fear too great that Jesus will not touch. He is willing and he is able. Lastly, to all the believers here, we just saw three miracles. Can we expect these things to happen to us? Can we expect to seek out Jesus in faith, in prayer, 
and the touching of the edge of his garment and that will heal us? My answer is no. We can't expect healing. We can't expect our loved ones to come back to life. And we can't expect all our prayers to be answered. But how we respond to unanswered prayer actually tells us a lot about our faith. I read a quote this week that says, Sometimes faith can move mountains. But sometimes right faith is having faith even when the mountains don't move. Let me say that again. Sometimes right faith is having faith even when the mountains don't move. Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe. And this applies to us now as we wait for the return of Christ. Jesus raised his daughter to life immediately. But we must by faith wait until Jesus returns, until we see the full realization of what his miracles showed. When Christ returns, every demon will be cast out. When Christ returns, every disease will be healed. When Christ returns, every Christian will be raised to life, eternal life. And the fact that sickness and death is still here, the fact that your fears are still around, is to remind us that we are not yet home. And that Christ has not returned yet. And that we are but pilgrims on our way to the celestial city. So may we lift up our fears to Jesus. May we keep living by faith. Church, hear God's word to you today, that there is no fear too great that Jesus will not touch. He is willing and he is able. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this passage which shows us so clearly who Jesus is. We praise the Lord Jesus who has power over life and death and everything in this life as well. We pray that you will uncover the fears of our hearts and help us lay them all bare before you and seek to turn our fears to faith. Give us faith in the one who has conquered death and grow our faith even when we are tempted to fear or to doubt. Give us such great faith to move mountains, but also give us faith when the mountains don't move. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.